You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. So today we're going to finish up Acts chapter 10, three messages from that chapter. Then the next time we're together, we'll move into Acts chapter 11. Brief review of Acts chapter 10 with some new material, and I was telling the worship band, or a couple of them at least, before church, this is a good message. It has nothing to do with me, it has to do with the content. This is a great message with content, for the content, and then it ends with a fair warning, just so you know. I'm giving you fair warning that this message ends with a fair warning. So two weeks ago, the message was entitled, The Message. Verse 36 was a key verse. This is the message. It's the message of the good news. It's the message of the gospel. There is peace with God available to mankind through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. This was the message that Peter brought from God to Cornelius and his household. This is the message they needed to hear. And so many folks that you know need to hear this. Anxiety levels are through the roof. Suicide is through the roof. Domestic violence is through the roof. Addictions are through the roof. People are hurting. People are scared. People are angry. If you don't know God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're at the mercy and the whim of everything that's going on in the world. Thank you. And that's not a place that you want to be today. Thank you. I was waiting for an amen. The world and the flesh and the devil are out of control. Many people are desperately longing for peace. And there's nothing new under the sun. That's what Cornelius and his household were longing for. Some sort of peace. Not just happy because circumstances are going well. That's great, happiness. But this is peace. This is that deep inner knowing that no matter what, everything's okay. Do you have that in these days? Because you need that. You need that. Every day we're bombarded with news that could shake us in our boots. We need to know deep in here that everything's okay. There's only one way to know that, and that's to know God through Jesus Christ, and then you have peace. Now, after Peter shared this with them, they know at least there's hope. It's not a hopeless situation. But for them and for many people that we know, maybe some of us even in here, right, Still more is needed, more than just hearing this information. Just hearing this information does nothing for us. So the week after, the title of the message was Application of the Message. How do you apply what you just heard? What good is it to know this encouraging information, but not know how to access it, not know how to make it your own, not know how to apply it to your life, not know how to get it into your heart. 
I was just talking with somebody this week. Dan, I think it was you. And it's something I knew before, but we made the realization. Are you listening to me? Seems to be a lot of in and outs going on, but try and stay focused. People miss heaven by this much. Here to here. Think about that. People are missing heaven by about six or eight inches. They hear the information. It never gets into their heart. It never makes a life change. Even the demons believe, and they tremble, and that's good and well, but they're still demons. They're unchanged. Many people know some information up here. It's never got down there and then affected their wills. They're unchanged. You with me? So it wasn't good enough for Cornelius and his household just to hear this information, but the information is really good. Now what? And verse 43 was the key verse last week. So not only us, Peter said, but all the prophets, all of Scripture, agree in their writings that everyone who believes in him receives complete forgiveness of sins. Oh, now we're getting somewhere through the power of his name. Peace, reconciliation, relationship with God, intimate fellowship with him is accessed, it's entered into by believing in him. But even that's not enough. Because there's so much deception out there anymore, we have to know what believing even means. It's a shame we have to get down that far, but we do. Because many people believe mental assent that there is a God. As we said, even the demons believe there is a God, and they tremble. But they're still demons. They're unchanged. So we even have to go a step further. We thought it wise to define this word believe, and I, I feel it wise to do this again and cover it again. It's the primary word that's translated faith in Scripture, and it means to trust, to be fully persuaded, to be completely confident, unshakable. People who truly know the Lord are unshakable in that. Nobody can come in with a false doctrine and, and this and that and shake the person who truly knows the Lord because they've become fully persuaded. They've become completely confident. And then there's another step. This, this belief moves us to action. We act upon what we believe. It's accurate to say that we enter into salvation, which is peace with God, reconciliation, forgiveness of sin, relationship with him, fellowship with him. We enter into that through faith. It is by grace you have been saved through what? For it is grace you have been saved through. Third time. It is grace. It is by grace you have been saved through. This is not from yourselves. This is a gift of God. Not by works. Nobody can work their way to heaven. I grew up in a denomination where we believed that at the end you hoped your good works outweighed your bad. And if that was the case, you got in. And if it wasn't the case, you went to a holding pen. And people down here then prayed and lit candles and got you out of that holding pen into heaven. 
All that is hogwash. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and it's not based on good works. It's based on faith. It's based on believing. That's why this is so important. Now, this is the NIV, and it says we're saved through faith. Just to show us how interchangeable these terms are, believing and faith, look at the same verse in the NLT. God saved you by his grace when you believed, when you put your trust in him, when you became fully persuaded, when you became fully confident, completely confident. We're saved through faith. We're saved through believing. So in other words, to believe means to put, to act upon what you say you believe and put your trust in him. Become fully persuaded, completely confident. In what? In that Jesus is who he says he is. And he did what he said he did. And just a quick side note of counsel for us. These days there are many Jesuses out there. Remember Jesus warned his disciples, many will come saying that they're me or come in my name. I don't have my actual physical Bible up here. If you want to know the real Jesus, you need to know this, the Bible, the scriptures. They point to and reveal the real Jesus, the true Jesus. And so when other doctrine starts to come in and it's confusing, you go to the word of God. Let every man be a liar. The word of God be true. Jesus said he was going to die for the forgiveness of our sin. And anybody who put their trust in him, who came to him by faith, who acted upon that, would be saved. Here's something the world doesn't realize. Maybe some of you don't realize. Our sin is what's blocking our peace with God. Our sin is what blo- is blocking reconciliation with God. When we sinned in the garden, Adam sinned. We were all in him when he sinned. So that curse of sin passed on all of us. We broke fellowship with God. Every one of us that's born is born out of fellowship with God. Why did Jesus come? Because God never gave up on the human race, but he said, I'll make a way that these sinful people can have forgiveness of sin and be reconciled to me. But it's not automatic. You're not a Christian because your parents are. You're not a Christian because you live in America or that you even come because you come to church. You got to come to Jesus and put your trust in him and receive him into your life. Then you become a Christian. To them who received him, he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. What does that mean? To be reconciled and brought back into a family relationship with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that was lost in Genesis 3. That's what this whole thing, Christ coming to the cross, was about. To make it possible that this sin, which is keeping individual human beings and the race out of fellowship with God, can be forgiven and removed. As far as east is from the west, he removes our sins from us. He takes our sins and he buries them in the deepest sea. Sin was blocking our peace with God. Sin was blocking or is blocking our reconciliation, our relationship, our intimate fellowship with God. Even, you know, even as believers, when we sin now, we know we don't lose our salvation. We're still saved. But isn't it hard to have intimate fellowship with him if you're not willing to confess your sin. Try and worship sometime with unconfessed sin. 
I've tried that. It doesn't work. You of all people are most miserable at that time. Our sin still blocks us, but this time it's blocking that intimate fellowship. It's not blocking salvation, peace with God, reconciliation. So we still need to have those sins forgiven. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. New start. Your mercies are new every morning. When we were kids, we used to have those. Now they have all the electronic, uh, well, we had Etch-a-Sketch, and they have these other things now. But real little, all we had was this little gray and red thing, and you wrote on it, and you pulled up the cellophane, and it went away. You had a red pencil. Remember them? How many remember them? Oh, my goodness, we got an aging congregation. (laughs) That little old school toy is one of the greatest illustrations for his mercies are new every morning. And when we confess his sin, he removes it from us because during life we're writing sins on that thing, unfortunately. And then we realize that we confess and they're all gone. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. When a person truly believes, they're compelled to action. Everyone who calls upon or appeals to the name of the Lord will be saved. All who accept him, all who receive him into their life, gain the right to be called sons and daughters of God, brought back into the family of God, calling upon him, appealing to him, receiving him into our lives, That's an action that's prompted by true belief, faith, and it brings salvation. Back to verse 43 just for a moment. Not only us, but all the prophets, all of Scripture, all the writings, they agree that everyone, everyone, this is the mantra through all of Scripture for getting saved, being reconciled, and placed in God's family. Everyone who believes in him, puts their faith in him, receives a complete forgiveness of sins. Through the power of his name. We looked at the message. There's peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at the application of the message. You apply that information by an action taken, calling out to him, just asking him to save you, giving your life to him. If you're here today and you didn't or you have never done that, or you're not sure if you've ever done that, I'd like you to see me after church. Please don't leave until we talk about that. Now we want to look at the results of the message. So if you'll stand with me, and Justin, if you'll come. That was review. Now we'll start today's message. The Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Thank you, Justin. And you may be seated. There is so much in that little passage. I can't possibly touch on it today. 
I believe I have a message that God gave me out of that passage that's relevant for us today. And it's not going to cover probably the one thing you really want to know. What's that deal with the Holy Spirit coming upon him again? We just don't have time to deal with that today. And it does mention water baptism. And I just don't have time to deal with that today. But if you're here and you haven't been water baptized since you came to know the Lord, or since maybe you've gotten serious about your walk with the Lord, see me and we'll schedule a baptism. But there are some things that God wants us to know from this passage than a relevant application and a word of warning. Today's title is An Amazing Result. Acts 10.44 is the key verse. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to his message. So much to say. We'll just begin with this. Even as Peter was saying these things. The thought here is Peter was not yet finished speaking. Like most preachers, he had more to say. We could be here for a few hours today on this passage. But even as Peter was speaking, he never even got to finish. It seems as though once he said, everyone who believes in him receives complete forgiveness of sins, through the power of his name, that was all that was needed. That was all these folks needed to hear. There was an immediate response. Cornelius and his house, his household, were so ready for this message. Therein lies what God wants us to hear today. He who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Cornelius and his household were so ready for this message. You talk about ripe fruit. Talk about low-hanging fruit. It says they were listening to the message. means so much more than just casually sitting there. I hope that you today are listening to this message and not just hearing it. This word listening means they were paying rapt attention. They were hanging on every word, on the edge of the seats, so to speak. And it's actually an, it's an active listening. It's not a passive listening. It's a listening with an intention that if there's something I can do, I'm going to do it. One of the senses of this Greek word that's translated listening is it results in a response. Just exactly what we've been talking about. As Peter was speaking, they were listening. They were waiting. They were anticipating the moment when they could express belief, when they could come into agreement, when they could act upon what they heard. This was an Acts 10, I'm sorry, yeah, this was a Romans 10, 17 moment. Beginning to occur. Faith was being born in Cornelius and his household even as Peter spoke. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing or listening to the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Wow. The word translated hearing here instead of listening is the same Greek word that's translated listening in Acts 10. 
This is a listening or a hearing that invokes a response of belief. It prompts faith. It fosters faith in the one listening. Faith comes from listening to the message. And the message is about Jesus Christ. That's the message that prompts faith. If I got up here and read a nice poem to you or read a hymn or something like that, it may do us some good. But it's the message about Christ that prompts faith and changes people's lives. Whew, man, there should be amens flying up here today. I got to preach my heart out today because I'm not preaching next week. Our district superintendent is. So I get two Sundays in one. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant awesome that the DS is preaching instead of me. Always go to the negative. <laughs> Listening to the message about Christ from the Word of God prompts true biblical faith that saves and eternally changes a person's life. You no longer remain a demon. You no longer remain a sinner without hope and alienated from God's love in the world. You become a son or a daughter of God through this kind of believing. And it comes from listening to the message of the word of God. That's exactly what's happening right now as we speak, in context, of course, to Cornelius and his household as Peter shares the message about Jesus. Cornelius and his household, they are ready, man. They are willing to believe. They are willing to put their trust in Jesus. They are willing to call upon his name for salvation. They are willing to receive him as Savior. They're willing to confess their sins and receive the forgiveness and cleansing. They're just waiting for the moment. And the moment comes before Peter is even done because the Holy Spirit acts upon their faith and falls upon them. That's why my theory is when somebody stands and prays a sinner's prayer, that's awesome because that's that public expression. But they were saved before that or they wouldn't have stood. They were saved when they believed in their heart and the Holy Spirit made that transaction. And then he's showing us, he's granting us to see, he's granting us to see the results of what he just did in their heart. They're willing to pray a sinner's prayer. So that's why some people come to me and say, yeah, you know, I had a chance to pray with somebody, but I'm not sure I said the right words. You know, I don't, I'm, I don't think I did it right. And I know that's very difficult for us, but that's actually kind of humorous because you can't do it wrong because they're already saved. That's why they're asking you to pray with them. You're just the agent God's using to make this thing a public expression. You can't do it wrong. That's why I said a few weeks ago, if somebody is interested in knowing the Lord, don't refer them to Pastor Smith. You talk to him. My plate's full enough with people he's going to be giving me to lead to the Lord. So there's some amazing results and we're not even surprised because there's always amazing res results with Peter. Peter can't even finish his sermon before salvation breaks out upon their belief. Again, talk about low-hanging fruit, fruit ready to be picked and harvested. And this is where we start to move into an application for us. May I say to us, 
get ready because it's a coming. God is preparing us for a great harvest of lost souls. I hear about all the exciting things that are going on in the body of Christ across America, and I want to be involved in a lot of that. And so I'm always saying, Lord, you know, what's my assignment? Lord, what, you know, what do you have for me to do? I want to be a part of this, and I don't want to miss this huge end-time move of God in the earth. And I get the same word every time, and it's a great word. And it's this word, shepherd your flock and prepare this church to receive the harvest. I don't know what's going on here, Barry. Is it? Barry said it's spiritual. I want to give us a word on the harvest. Since that's the word that God is giving me, shepherd your flock, that means needs must be cared for. That's why we have such a great elder team. And we've divided this congregation up into segments, and each segment has an elder that cares for them. That's the shepherding. We do need to care for our flock. But the, the relevant word for right now is prepare this church to receive the harvest. So I want to give us a word about harvest, starting with John chapter 4, verse 35. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? Well, we just saw that. They planted all this corn around our church back around April or May. And if you notice, it's being harvested. It's about four months later, and now they're harvesting it. And that's normal in the natural world. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. That's a hard one for us because we don't see it with our natural eyes. We have to ask God to open our eyes to see the harvest. Cornelius and his household, which Peter had no clue, no idea, he was just minding his own business, praying on a rooftop, waiting for the meal. And next thing you know, three days later, he's in this situation where he's going to lead Cornelius and his whole household to faith in Christ. First Gentile group of people to ever come to Christ. There was the Ethiopian eunuch, but that was an individual. This is the first time the gospel penetrated into the Gentile world, which, by the way, that's why the Holy Spirit fell. If you want to know more about that, we'll talk privately. But that's why the Holy Spirit fell at this time, because God was opening a new door into the third category that Jesus said, you will go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Judea is accomplished. Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost. Judea and Samaria is accomplished. Holy Spirit fell through, Peter's revi- or through Philip's revivals. Now the gospel is penetrating the Gentile world, and guess what? The Holy Spirit fell upon them to evidence the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy. There's more to it, but that's, that's a synopsis. Back to Cornelius and his household. They're in this, they're the audience, and they're listening to Peter, and they're so ripe for harvest. You know, so were the 3,000 that asked Peter, what must we do to be saved? So were the 5,000 who got saved off of the healing of one crippled man. So were the folks in Samaria where revival broke out as Philip preached the message about Jesus Christ. And on and on and on. The fields are white for harvest. The next verse is amazing. 
It comes from the Old Testament, but it's a New Testament prophecy. It's a prophecy for the New Testament. It's a prophecy for these days. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one who's treading grapes. Think about what's being said there. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper, the harvester, will be overtaken by the plowman, the one who's sowing seeds, and the planter who's sowing seeds by the one who's treading grapes, reaping. The thought here is that the planters will hardly have sown when there's going to be a harvest. And this will keep up indefinitely this cycle. As the guys are planting corn in April, it's being harvested in May. So they're planting again in June and it's being harvested in July and on and on in a spiritual sense. What a prophetic promise. Now this is my own opinion. I believe this will be fulfilled and actually is being fulfilled in these days in which we live. There's no going back to normal, folks. As much as we would like to see life go back to normal, Satan has made a grab for the world and he's not going to give up and it's going to be battle. And things are not going to go back to normal. But the upside is there's going to be this great move of God, his spirit in the earth. There's going to be revival and awakening and harvest of lost souls, even in the midst of the battle. I finally understand a verse that didn't make any sense to me years ago. When Paul told the Colossians, God has opened an effectual door of ministry to me. Yeah. And there are many adversaries. Really? The door of effectual ministry is opened in the midst of many adversaries, in much opposition, in much battle. We've been sheep too long. We forgot that we're also warriors. God's been painstakingly working with us to remind us that we're not just sheep. We're also lions. The gentle shepherd is the lion of Judah. And his people carry both aspects of that. We are sheep. We care for one another. We need to be cared for. We're warriors. We're lions because we're going to press the battle. And we're going to enforce the will of Jesus on the earth as it is in heaven. That's what he called us to do. When you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And throughout the Gospels, he gave us authority and he gave us keys to open and shut doors. And the church today, that's been lost and stolen. We don't really know how to do that. That's why evil is pressing us back. But have you sensed a shift in the atmosphere? I mean, don't. Don't lie, just say what you think I want to hear. Have you sensed a shift in the atmosphere? That things have begun to turn around. That righteousness has finally begun to go on the offensive. And the kingdom of darkness is beginning to backpedal. It's not over by a long shot. But there's been a shift. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, rising remnant of the church that heard what the Spirit was saying to the church and over the last year and a half has begun to rise up and come into its role of who the church really is. And thank you to this church because most of you, if not all of you, have embraced that position. And it's not been easy, has it? There's been a lot of pushback. I believe that Amos 9.13 is being fulfilled in our days, in these last days, in this generation of believers, our generation, you 
and me. It's hard to be alive in this day, but it's a great privilege to be alive in this day. The question is not, are the fields ripe for harvest? The question is, are we ready and willing to work the harvest field? What if Peter wouldn't have received the vision of the clean and unclean animals and said, nope, I'm not going to Cornelius because he's a Gentile, he's an unclean animal. What if he wasn't willing? The question is, are we ready and willing to work the harvest field. Jesus stated it this way to his disciples. The harvest is great. It's the workers that are few. There's no shortage of harvest. Tremendous shortage of workers. And it doesn't say the harvest is great, but Christians are few. It doesn't say the harvest is great, but professing believers are few. It says the harvest is great, but workers are few. Those Believers, true believers who are willing to work the harvest, that live for that. I've milked cows. I milked cows for many years. And I can tell you that the owners of the farm, they lived for that. They lived for their work. They lived for planting and harvesting and milking cows. and They lived for that work. And that's what this means. The harvest is great, but those who will live for the kingdom and kingdom purposes, they're few. They're few and far between. That's why we're in the mess we're in, by the way. Satan has had his day for decades now in this nation. Question, are we workers? Or are we watchers from the sidelines? You know, I used to be an active volunteer fireman. I loved it. It never actually gets out of your blood. So now that I'm no longer an active fireman, I'm a watcher. They need watchers. When I hear the the sirens, I look it up on my phone And I head to the scene and watch. That's sort of a joke. But I want to use that as an illustration. Sort of a joke. This also is not going to be a joke. We had an arsonist in Columbia actually several times. I'm always the first one to show up at a fire scene to watch. One of the ways you track an arsonist is you you video who's in the crowd. So every fire, there's Hub Smith in the crowd. My kids are like, Dad, you got to stop running the fires. <laughs> I honestly have never set one. Never, ever, ever. But are we workers or are we watchers? Any of you guys that have played sports or gals? You couldn't stand being on the sidelines, especially in presser situations. Where did you want to be? You wanted to be on the field or on the court. Man, you wanted to be in the action. You didn't want to be sitting on the sidelines. Put me in, coach. Would that many of us were saying to Jesus, put me in, coach. Put me in. I'm ready. I'm not the best player on the team, but I'm ready and I will give it my best. By the way, if Dawn asked Tuesday night discussion group, this is the pri- um, what's the primary point of Sunday's message? This was it. And don't say that Hub Smith was a watcher. At the fires. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Listen, back to a serious note. The fields around us, unbeknownst to us, unbeknownst to me, I can't see it with my natural eyes. I'm preaching this message by faith. And I even asked the Lord, how can I preach this message when I can't really see it myself? 
And without going into a lot of detail, he confirmed this message to me in my devotions this morning like crazy. If you want to know, I'll tell you that privately sometime. But this is true. The fields around us are ripe for harvest. Where's Josh? I appreciate that you shared you had a chance to, to talk with somebody about the Lord yesterday. The fields around us are ripe for harvest. The harvest is upon us. But there is a shortage of kingdom harvest workers. Are you in? That's the question I'm looking for a response. Are you in? Yeah. Are you willing to step up? Are you willing to be the answer to somebody's prayer? Lord, send forth workers into your harvest field. Did I miss that verse? Oh, I didn't finish it. Pray to the Lord who, who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Are you willing to be the answer to somebody's prayer and be a worker and be sent by the Lord? Doesn't mean you have to go to Ethiopia. Maybe. Just means you have to be willing at all times to be used of the Lord when he says, do this or do that. Speak to that person or care for that person. Share the gospel with that person. Be ready. Here's the word of warning. Your faith to believe for the harvest is going to be greatly challenged. Know it now. Satan is going to work extremely hard to keep you from believing that the fields around us are ripe for harvest. This is an actual word that I've received from the Lord to share today. There is a fierce battle going on in the spiritual realm over America. Things will look mighty bleak at times. Satan will oppose your faith. But God is releasing a fierce anointing upon the church in America to battle on and to press through to victory. There will be harvest because that's God's will. Scientific cardinal rule of science, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. The fiercer the battle pressed by Satan, the fiercer the anointing God puts on his church to battle on, to press on, to press through for victory. Jesus will never lose the battle, never. Let's stop here for now. There's so much more we could say. Uh, we could cover the significance of the Holy Spirit, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. Here's what I just want you to know about the Holy Spirit at this point from this passage. The significance of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at this time, it's more historical than it is doctrine. In other words, don't try and build a doctrine of the Holy Spirit from this particular passage. It's an historical event, and it needs some explanation, but just... Can we, can we let it rest there for now? And again, it closes with, they believed. Peter saw that. He said, what's to stop them from getting baptized? Let's set up the tank. If any of you in here want to be water baptized, make sure that I or one of the elders know about that. Thank you. Would you stand? Melissa, will you come forward? Sonny, bring the band up. Wait till we're all settled. Ron, if you'll turn on the monitor so we can hear Melissa's prayer. 
pray. Lord, I just want to pray over this congregation for this week that you would speak bold and loudly to each and every one of us. May we be spending the time that we need in your word because we know that is the only truth in this world right now that we have. And I thank you for your word. Lord, may you just make yourself so real in our lives that it will overflow. May you give us opportunities this week as we go about our jobs or school, whatever it is, that you will bring the people in our paths, that you will make it so obvious that they need you. May you just speak life through us into them, that you are preparing their hearts even now, Lord. We pray for those lost people out there that need to hear you. They need you desperately because these are bad times that we're in right now, and the harvest is ripe. We just need you to give us the boldness to speak forth your truth into the lives of those around us. And may we just know and not walk away and say, oh, we've missed that opportunity. Let us not do that this week. Lord, I just pray for testimonies next week of what you have done this week in all of us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.